Oh, that only motivated me more. Because I know you don't want me in this area. I'm not going anywhere. If you're going to do something to me, then do it. But I'm not, you're not going to scare me off. And I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to use that as fuel, as fire to really keep pushing. Hey, everyone. That's the Black Alachian. And I'm your host, Shanti. And welcome back to the Out and Back podcast presented by Gaia GPS. Today, we're catching up with Daniel White, who is known on trail as the Black Alachian. Daniel hiked the AT with zero experience backpacking. In fact, his first night camping was his first night out on the AT. On the trail, he found friendship and peace in the wilderness. But as one of the only three black men that he saw on the trail that year, Daniel emerged from his six-month hike craving a more culturally significant experience. The next year, he taught himself about bike touring and set off on the Underground Railroad Trail a 2,000-mile journey from Alabama to Canada that retraces the secret routes that black slaves used in the early to mid-19th century to seek their freedom in the North. After that, Daniel went on to seek experiences in cultures different from his own. Last year, he hiked across Scotland and finished the Camino del Norte, a historic pilgrimage route along the northern coast of Spain. Today, Daniel tells us what brought him to the outdoors and his experiences in the wild including finding trail family and camaraderie along the way. Daniel also touches on some of the challenges that black people face when trying to access the outdoors, and the opportunity we have as a society to open those doors in current times to make the outdoors a more welcoming place. As a warning, from the 21-minute mark to the 24-minute mark on this show, Daniel recounts a racist experience he had while camping near the Mason-Dixon line on the AT, which could act as a trigger for some people. And most importantly, Daniel's open-heartedness and his adventures are an inspiration and powerful example for all of us, and particularly for Black people and other identities that are underrepresented in outdoor sports. I can't wait to learn more about his journeys and what drives his adventures. So, let's dive right in. Well, joining me today is the Black Alachian, Daniel White. Thanks so much for being here, man, and for going out of your way to share your voice with us. Oh, no problem, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. We know these are really crazy times, and I really do appreciate you being able to come on here and share your experiences with us. I really want to start by just asking, how are you, man? How are you doing overall? Oh, man, I'm holding in there. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I'm just just watching everything. It's heavy. It's tough energy, uh, for sure. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to escape. I woke up this morning, somebody sent me a couple like posts and I was like, hey, man, uh, please, I, I got love for you. But let me have my morning coffee first. because Yeah, I, I, you know, you got to find your, your spots here and there where you can just like disconnect from that for a second. It's every day for me, you know, being a black man. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm holding in there, just uh, hoping to get outside and, and get outdoors and get some fresh yes and like extended period. Uh, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so. Nice. Southeast, hot, nice and hot. Nice. How's the activity been down there? Like in Charlotte, how has there been a huge amount of presence with protests? Or uh, definitely, um, Charlotte. They always kind of show up and show out when it comes to to getting out there and speaking out. I, I would say so. Yeah, they definitely been out there for um, a few days now, and I want to say I'm I'm not the most well versed person because I don't I haven't been keeping up with everything. But I I think the the city has been kind of handling it a little well. So, um, yeah, shouts out to Charlotte. 
for sure. Nice, nice. Yeah, and it's true. History is a good indicator. Charlotte is really right in the middle of this stuff, so it's cool. Um, now, have you been grounded in Charlotte because of COVID-19, um, or have you been able to really get out and about anywhere else during all of this? I don't think I've been five or six miles away from my house in, since March, early March. I did the Art Lobe Trail that, at the beginning of March, and I haven't really been out since then. So, yeah, I've, no. I've been kind of stuck. Art Lobe. Now, where's that run? Uh, it's like uh, from Brevard, a little bit uh, west of Asheville, from mm-hmm. Brevard up through uh, past like Mount Pisgah area. Um, a little okay. bit past there and Black Balsam Knob and all that area up there and ends up towards Waynesville. It's like a 30-mile trek. Nice. But it's pretty, pretty tough, but it's beautiful, beautiful. Nice. Yeah, so you're not that far from the Smokies then. So, and yeah, that is beautiful country up there. Definitely. Yeah. Now, is Charlotte where you're originally from? Um, or did you grow up, uh, was it Asheville you grew up? Yeah, grew up in uh, Asheville. Originally born on the Jersey Shore, Asbury Park. Uh, New Jersey, but uh, moved to Asheville around five. So, I, you know, that's where I did all my first. So, I, that's you know, that's why I called my home. Um, definitely grew up about, I guess, an hour away from the Appalachian Trail. Now, do you think um, growing up in Asheville, a really touristy outdoors town, as I know, and uh, being really close to the Appalachian Trail, do you think that played a role in helping you really get involved with the outdoors as you were growing up? No, nah, I wouldn't say. I always went fishing and stuff with my parents and, and, you know, played around in the woods when it came to that, but never any hiking or anything, not as far as like that, not no family activity um, or, or camping out. I, I couldn't say. Um, I know my brothers and sisters that were older than me had camped out with my parents and stuff, but not, I didn't experience that. So I don't know. I didn't know anything about hiking or camping or, or anything. I think my father mentioned to me one time that he had hiked from uh, Asheville to Brevard, and it was such an interesting story, but it kind of like went to like, you know, back in my memory bank, um, and I right. forgot about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just now pulling that memory back out, and it was such an interesting story, so I don't know. And, you know, I always loved, like, uh, Man vs. Wild and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, I've always been a fan of that type of stuff, you know, just naturally, I think. Then I wonder, then, if um, it was kind of like a trickle, then, experience for the outdoors. Like, what were your first, like, backpacking experiences? What were your first camping experiences? What were they like? The Appalachian Trail through hike. Um, that so was you my first time. Yeah. <laughs> you started. You started with an Appalachian Trail through hike. Yeah. <laughs> That was my first time sleeping in my tent, anything. Like, I, I'd set it up outside my house, like, a couple nights before I left for the trail, and I didn't even stay in it all night. I went out there for a few hours, and I just came back in. To me, it's like a person going, you know, I've never run before, and now tomorrow I'm going to go out that door and I'm going to run a, a marathon, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. so what prompted that? A lot, man. Uh, I, was, I was burned out from work. I was an electrician for the past, what, six or seven years, and my boss was like, Hey man, you're taking too many vacations. I was, you know, I went and saw some stuff. I was like 31. I had never been on an airplane or anything. And I was 31. I was the the uh, best man in my my best friend's wedding. And the next day, I caught a plane to Puerto Rico. Um, I had never been on a plane. And I'm like, man, I that was like kind of what sparked my love of traveling somewhere. Right. And uh, slept out on the beach the first night because I got there at like three in the morning. So I was like, I was go sleep on the beach, whatever. So that experience right there was like started something and i started taking vacations my boss was like hey man you, you take too much time off work i was like hey i got dreams i don't have any kids man i want to see the world i want to see some stuff he's like man sometimes dreams ain't what's best for you so i was like oh really like you know okay really 
you know, I've been giving my, my whole entire life to this job, you know, so I was like, I put in my two-week notice, like, a couple days later. That, I think that, that led me to the trail just a little bit. Just watching everything going down during that election cycle was just heavy energy. You know what I mean? The country, it was just a lot of back and forth. It was a lot of nastiness. So that was that was oh, a, a factor for sure. I had a bad breakup. My ex moved like 10 houses down the street uh, from me. <laughs> had a new boyfriend. So I got to ride to work every day and, and see the new boyfriend. And stuff, you know, so, yeah, I, it was just a bunch of stuff. I mean, I got to get that. I got to do something and I just posted on Facebook one day and I was like I wonder if I could survive in the woods and my cousin commented go hike the Appalachian Trail and so this was, was like, <laughs> yeah it was in January of 2017 and April 2017 I was on the trail so, oh man. man so three months three months the to make that call to go you know what I'm gonna go do a full through hike of the Appalachian Trail that and you'd never been out before so how did you prepare for it? Like, how did you learn uh, to know what to be able to do out there? YouTube. Uh, yeah, just watching watching YouTube, looking up, seeing what, like, um, internet gear list and, and watching this, just doing doing that much research. And I was like, I don't know. It looks like, I mean, it's, it's hiking. It's just walking. I'm in, in my head, you know what I mean? I'm like, mm-hmm. and I didn't plan on even going uh, the whole way. I said, I'm going to go for two months. I'm leaving April and I'm stopping my birthday and I, I'll see how far I can make it. I said, I think I can make it maybe 600 to a thousand miles, you know? So I talked with my mom right. about it and everything and my brothers and uh, went over it. And yeah, I just kind of put my mind to it. Just watching YouTube videos, checking out here, going up to my local outdoor gear store, REI, um, asking them, they made me buy a bunch of stuff that I probably shouldn't, didn't need at the end of the day, <laughs> but shout out to them anyway. I, you know, I got love for them and, um, yeah, just, just, I don't know, just, just YouTube, just winging it. So then you're talking about this with your folks, with your brother. Um, what was their reaction to it? Them, I think my, my mother and maybe a couple of my brothers were the only ones that were kind of with it and believed I could maybe pull it off. It was everybody else that I told was like, you're going to do, hold on, you do know what is, first of all, what is the Appalachian Trail? And you're going to do what? You're going to walk from where to, I'm like, yeah, I'm starting to it. it was like, people didn't even get it. You know, they're like, yeah, man, you sound crazy, you know? And so I was like, all right. And that, I think that kind of motivated me as well. So, yeah. Awesome. And that's, that seems to be so much of the theme. Like, it seems like we've talked with so many great names in the outdoor industry. You know, you, we talked with uh, Heather Anderson. We talked with Real Hiking Viking. We just talked with uh, Justin Lichter, uh, Trauma. Um, And it seems to be this recurring theme where it's always like, I didn't have outdoor experience. And then one day I decided, I'm going to go hike the Appalachian Trail. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, you might as well go big or go home, right? Shout out to the yeah. hiking biker, man. He's hey, he's a real badass. That was our uh, second show that we did with him. And so we had the show be an hour long and our real conversation was like three hours long. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can dig it. I can dig it. Yeah, he's a, he's a cool guy. I speak to him often on Instagram. I got to get out on a hike with him one of these days. Man. So you go out on the Appalachian Trail, uh, start of April. First time on any type of a backpacking trip. So what I want to know is like, what was that first night like out there? Like, I'm thinking, was it, were you dealing with like cold and snow at the beginning from being up in the mountains of Northern Georgia? 
No, it was actually a pretty pretty mild day. It was probably like in the 60s or something like that, 70s maybe. I mean, it was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful start of the day. Like, my, my brother left. Uh, I started hiking them steps. I said if I can make it to a Springer Mountain by uh, 2 or 3 o'clock, then I'm good. I made it maybe an hour or two earlier than that. I said, oh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. And uh, I got to the campsite. I, the first night was pretty good because I was I saw other tents and stuff around. It wasn't until maybe like that third night when a uh, big owl perched him, uh, above my uh, tent and start doing his thing, and I'm terrified of owls, that's when it kind of got like, oh, hold up. Yeah, I, I didn't know I was going to be facing this out here. <laughs> the first day is a real proving ground. Like, um, I came down the approach trail when I finished my through hike at Springer Mountain, and I was thinking, this is going to be cake. It's going to be an easy down all the way to the state park. Holy crap, the approach <laughs> trail was tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And definitely. Yeah, and the stairs, I couldn't believe it either. So it's like, all right, well, if you can make it through the approach trail, that's already a good proving ground for you. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't have a choice anyway because my brother was gone and I didn't have any signal. So <laughs> you got to walk. Might I at least had to make it to Neil's Gap. Uh, so I, I at least had to make it there, you know. And yeah. Once I got there, I was feeling pretty good. Like, yeah, okay, I can do this. So you're going on. Um, you have your two month plan. Your plan to say uh, was like 800 to 1,000 miles was your goal, and then you know you were probably going to be done around your birthday. So at what point did you make that shift of you know what I'm going to do the whole thing? It was love instantly. Um, to be honest, like I didn't run into rain till about day seven or eight. Um, really, really hard rain. But by then, I was really having a good time. Um, and, and I had met a couple people, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, and then I started running out of money towards around Fontana, and mm -hmm. a lot of my friends and family was like, "Hey, I want to help you out," but they was trying to send me like cans of spam, like you know, actual canned foods and canned goods. Like, I can ship this <laughs> to you. I'm like, "Nah, look, just if you want to help me out, send a little, um, uh, you know, a little PayPal or something like that." So I, I set up a GoFundMe and put it on my YouTube, I think, uh, and I think. I set the limit to five hundred dollars, and the next day it was at it was over five hundred dollars when I checked nice. in, and it was from mostly just people that had started following the YouTube and just wanted to help out. So I was like, "Oh man, I got to! I took these people money. I really should keep going." You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. So yeah, and by the end, I was just kind of kind of locked in, uh, definitely. Awesome. And yeah, that's, that's the biggest motivation. Like on those really hard days where it was raining out there, you had just awful climbs, especially in Virginia and you get the Virginia blues. It's that that's the thing that I think helped to keep me moving the realization of there are so many people who are following and looking for updates on social media. And it's like, these people are rooting for you. Even if you're out there in the woods by yourself, you know, they are back home rooting for you. Yeah. It, it, yeah. That's, that's a, that's a push. That's a big push. Cause, and you know that they, some people just wake up and you know, they, you might make their day. Like some trips I done been on, like the, the, the bike trip, you're coming through a town of like two or 300 people and you're doing something that's considered pretty epic. They're going to like, like, Oh man, they, they love it. You know what I mean? People, people can latch on to something like that. Cause everybody I think has that sense of wonder. Like, I wonder if I could do something like that. You know, everybody loves that type of stuff. It's true. It's really true. And I mean, yeah, the trail magic you get like uh, along the AT all along the way, because so many people I think are also living kind of vicariously through you or they've uh -huh. done the trail before and they're paying it forward. It's my trail family. If you're out there listening to this, I know you're going to kill me because I always ask this question to people and they got so tired of it, but I'm going to ask the same question to you. What was your favorite state? Oh, <laughs> uh, um, 
maybe I don't know. That's a hard one. That's a tough one. Yeah, because me, I'm. It know. wasn't Pennsylvania. I'll say that. <laughs> Definitely not Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania was okay. You know, the southern half of it. I mean, I I met a lot of cool people through there, so I ain't mad at it. It was it was challenging for sure. It's a tale of two states out there. The southern half is awesome, but once you get north of like the Susquehanna River, Duncannon, yeah. oh, it's just it's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's nasty. It's nasty. Hey, but. I, yeah, Maine. Maine. Maine would be my favorite state because the hundred mile wilderness was like the prettiest place I've ever been in my life. Almost, you know what I mean. That was beautiful, beautiful place. So, when were you up there? Um, was that like late September? I, yeah, October. Um, yeah, yeah, right around October. I summited Katahdin October third, and then I, I worked my way back south because I, I flipped up from Gorham, New Hampshire, because um, mm-hmm. everybody's like, I just got tired of hearing every day, "Oh man, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it." I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to flip up. So um, someone that watched my YouTube and stuff came and, and like drove a few hours, picked me and a couple um, couple of my trail family up, and we flipped up because I didn't hike that and came back down through the 100 mile. Nice. So then actually with you flipping all the way to Gorham, you did all of Maine southbound, right? Yeah. So then here's my question. What did you think was harder, the whites or southern Maine? The whites, man. The but. I don't know. The whites had big payoffs. Southern Maine, mm, not my not my favorite place. Oh my That's gosh, yeah. And I, I totally get that that viewpoint because yeah, the whites, it's huge payoffs for ridiculous climbs, like the views you get in the presidentials on Franconia Ridge, on Musalak. And so it's like, yeah, what a, yeah, yeah. Like Maine itself, the whole the whole state was like super tough. You know what I mean? But yeah. Like the hundred mile. I think, I don't know, I think it's just because I had really good weather through it. I had, like, perfect weather, and it was like, oh, okay, this is lovely. And then I had some really good experiences um, coming through there as well, like, you know, so, yeah, it was like what? Uh Just uh, going out to, uh, what's the little White House landing, I think it is, or something like that. It was a hostel. They come pick you up on a boat. You got a call on the radio. They come oh, pick you up on the boat. Yeah, yeah White House landing. Like yeah, so that right there, I spent the night there. Um then I, when I left there the next day, I stopped a few miles before Antlers Campsite, and uh, it was like a beach, and I stopped there at the beach. I carried my little um, small little dock demon fishing pole, uh, the little kid, kitty pole. I was like, oh, I should, I should stop here and fish for a minute, um, start fishing, and caught like a two-pound smallmouth bass <laughs> on the rooster tail. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm staying here today. Um, so I set up camp right there on the beach, ran, got firewood. I had signal on my phone. Um, I had just found grits. Yeah. I, I, um, and I, you know, I had found grits in the hiker box earlier that day. I hadn't seen grits since we probably left Virginia, you know, Southern Virginia. I found grits. I had fishing grits right there overlooking then like most beautiful, like moon is out. It was like the, it was like a picture textbook, perfect day, man. Then like a loon is off in the distance in the middle of the night. It was like, just really, really cool. So the hundred mile has my heart for sure. So, what I, w- I do want to ask about your Appalachian Trail through hike, like, were you honestly the only black hiker out there? Uh, it was like, I think I may have seen uh, two others. One was a section hiker. I forget his name. I know he's from Ohio. Um, and he had, I, I met him up in, I think, Virginia. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I met him up in Virginia. It's a shelter that got like a, a big, 
like it's like a huge shelter. There's the big pavilion and everything. Like, oh man, I, I forget the name of it. But he had he knew I was coming. Um, he had been hearing that I was I was coming. It's like, oh, uh, you know, I, I said I saw another black hiker. Yeah, it's Black Latin. Yeah, he's coming. He's like, I've been looking for you. I've been I've been hearing about you for like two days. So you couldn't wait to see me. And then uh, my guy General Hendricks, um, who's like we real cool. We speak now. Um, he's out in on the West Coast right now, Arizona, I think. He just got off the Arizona Trail, I think, um, right when this nice. COVID got real bad. Um, yeah, and, and I was hearing about him, and he was hearing about me uh, before we met up. And then, like, when we finally met, I was laying in the shelter. It was, like, a rainy day, so we just kicked back in the shelter around, like, 5 or 6. It was still light. And I was, like, laid down, not paying any attention. And, like, um, one of my trail friends, like, kind of nudged me, like, with an elbow. And she's like, right. so I look up. And it's like General Hendricks right there. It's like, oh, they look. So it's like, <laughs> man, it was, yeah, so that was funny. I, I remember meeting, like, one black guy in Maine, just a random, regular black guy walking down the street. He saw me. He's like, oh, my God, it's a black guy. Oh, man. And he started, <laughs> started telling me his life story. He's like, man, I got caught here. I got on probation. I got with this girl. I'm on probation. I can't leave here. I just want to leave. It's like, he was, he's like, man, I, I haven't seen a black guy in a long time, man. Like, he was so good for him to see me, man. So, yeah, like. I didn't see many people uh, along the route, but all oh, good, you know, whatever. Did you have any difficulties, like, when you were out there on the trail, like, any encounters that were bad, I guess you could say? Uh, yeah, Penmar Park, Mason-Dixon line, about a mile before the Mason-Dixon line on the trail. Uh, thought I was going to stop there with, with a woman I was hiking with for a while, um, Stormy. We were going to stay right there in the pavilion. Um, some guys came down by the pavilion, uh, right before it was getting dark, sat around. Um, I tried to make a little conversation with them. They, they were, weren't really receptive to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, whatever. Uh, they left. Uh, gets a little bit darker. Uh, almost, yeah, almost nighttime now. Come back down on some, uh, bikes, uh, with these big headlamps on them, kind of like circle the pavilion, go back up the street, start like howling like wolves. So <laughs> I'm like, at this point, I'm telling Stormy, I'm saying, okay, we might want to, um, move from here for the night. I don't think this is going to turn out well, but I don't think she, she's like, oh, no, it'd be, it'd be fine. I, I think there's some kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, oh, okay, but you're not understanding. Um, it's like five or six of them. So they come back. Now it's like pitch black out there and they come sit around the pavilion. Um, so I go like straight up to them. Hey, uh, that's y'all on the bikes. Like, what's going on? Like, everything good? You know, what's, what's happening? So they're not really trying to talk. Okay, cool. A couple minutes later, a uh, guy comes down, older guy at this point, with like two uh, huge dogs, big bull master, big pit bull, um, comes down. And it's just like, it's the energy. You can just feel, you know the energy, you feel the energy. Like, it's like five or six dudes coming down, and they don't come down here. And he's like, yeah, I haven't been out here in years. You know, like, oh, okay. So y'all call this guy like, okay, I can't beat five guys and six dogs. So um, I went down and told Stormy, like, look, you might pack up your tent. Like, look, we need to go, you know, so. Um, we left and hiked through the night and camped right past the Mason Dixon line, ironically, in 2017. Um, so, yeah. Um, and the, the next day, I, I split up from her, you know. So I was like, look, I think it's safer if we separate right now through this area because I don't think you know how serious that could have been. Um, this is, these guys know this territory pretty good. It could have been real bad for us, you know. Um, so I think you'll be safer traveling alone as, as well as me, you know, being, uh, you know. So, yeah, it was. That was probably the, the the only time I felt it would it could have got bad or physical. But you know, I definitely had like the microaggressions and stuff like that. But that's everyday life. How did that make you feel, and how did you keep pushing on? Oh, that only motivated me more. 
because I know you don't want me in this area. I'm not going anywhere. If you're going to do something to me, then do it. But I'm not, you're not going to scare me off. And I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to use that as fuel, as fire to really keep pushing and make sure I spread the word to anybody that asks me to make sure this, this never happens again. You know what I mean? So, like, you, now you, you can't just, you can't let it. That's, that's what they would want to beat you and defeat you. If I went home, then they win, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. So after you were done with the AT, did you make a switch over then to bike touring? Uh, yeah, for the next one. Um, I just, I just wanted to try something different. Um, and then once again, I use everything as fuel. I remember a couple of people like, oh, if you don't go do the PCT, everybody forget about you. You're nobody. And this, that, and third. And I was like, oh, okay. Just random people on the internet. And I'm like, okay, I'm, if you just watched the last dance to Michael Jordan, Doc, Michael Jordan was very petty. He would use anything as fuel, but it won him championships. Um, so I think I'm, I'm kind of the same in that way. So I was like, okay, I got you. So I just wanted to try something different. And I wanted to do something that I could connect with a little bit more than the AT. Me and I had just found out about it three months before I hiked it. And you got people that I met on there that have been planning this for years. Maybe their grandparent or their dad might have hiked it. And it's a, it, they got a lot of respect for the trail. And I felt like, oh, man, I didn't have it to begin with. I gained it along the way. But I felt a little guilty almost for that. So I was like, ah, right, let me find something that maybe I can connect with and uh, just a little more. Um, and I found the Underground Railroad Trail, which was a bike trail put together by the Adventure Cycling Association. It was a 2,000 um, something mile route from like 2,200 from Mobile, Alabama up to Owen Sound, Ontario. I stopped my trip in Niagara Falls, Ontario, um, just to be clear. But yeah, um, so I found that and I was like, yeah, this is like something pretty cool. I ain't rode a bike in 20 years, uh, but I'm from Asheville. We got plenty of hills up there, so I'm used to riding bikes up hills and stuff. Like, as a kid, they say you don't forget, right? So I was able to gain sponsorship through REI for uh, a bike um, and, and a couple more local sponsors out of Asheville, North Carolina, and set out on that in 2018, September 2018. Finished up November 1st, uh, 2018, so like 49 days it took me. Yeah, so that was it was a pretty cool trip to be able to go through and kind of retrace the steps, not the actual route of the Underground Railroad because it's not an actual route. Um, it was just that like was word of mouth. Yeah, uh, it, so it, yeah, it's just it's a it's kind of like an infrastructure kind of place, but it was actual uh, places that I stopped that you know that that had that type of Underground Railroad activity, like John Ripley's house in Ohio, who was a white abolitionist. His whole family was was involved in it. They had a big house overlooking the hill where they were, um, you know, help runaway slaves. And then that, in conjunction with a guy, uh, I forget his name, John, I forget his name, but he, he was down at the at the river um, side of things and they worked in conjunction um, in Ripley, Ohio to, to help free runaway slaves. And I stopped at a church that had uh, actual, the, the basement was the actual place that runaway slaves um, were hired um, before they made their way up into the streets to try to move north. So that was just, it was a really powerful trip to be honest. Um, stopped at Harriet Tubman's house at the end. She has a house um, like 40 acres on it in Auburn, New York. So I was able to stop there with my mom. She came, drove all the way up to uh, Niagara Falls to come pick me up. She's like, she wanted to see Niagara Falls. So that was a really fitting into the trip. She dropped me off in Mobile, Alabama and picked me up in Niagara. So mom, shout out to you for always, always rocking with me for sure. So, so along the whole trail, basically along the whole trail, you've got all these historical spots that you're stopping at. Mm -hmm. so it's yeah. now 
Are you going through, since you're coming up through Alabama, I would guess Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, are you passing through Civil War battlefields at all? Yeah, I passed through, I think, Shiloh Military Base, I think it was. Yeah. Um, I slept, uh, man, I forget the name, uh, like Alex Haley, I think it was, or his grandfather, the guy who wrote uh, the, book, the book Roots. Like, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of places, man. It, that was a very interesting trip. Um, it crossed over, like, uh, the Trail of Tears, which is another bike route. Um, yeah, it was different. I, and and the, the funny part about it, it was like no infrastructure like the AT with shelters or anything. So I had to kind of like well, uh, be really creative as far as like camping. I camped in a lot of cemeteries behind churches. Uh, man, just, just different places, um, just wherever I could kind of find. And then like after a while, I just started calling like the local police station. Like, hey, I'm I'm doing this is what i'm doing do you mind if i just sleep in the, the city park right here i don't want no problem you know if you come down and there's like yeah no problem you know for the most part um slept in like a concession stand uh met a guy he's like oh i run the baseball field down here you can sleep here and uh whatever you want in concession stand taking it's like i was like willy wonka charlie in the chocolate factory kind of thing i was like i've been dreaming about this since i was a kid like and i think i was too excited i only ate like one or two things i was like uh, you know so yeah it was it was a hell of a trip for sure <laughs> so I'm trying, I know it's uh, two totally different experiences comparing a 2000 mile through hike of the AT to a 2000 mile bike tour, um, plus one that's more steeped in a historical context as opposed to a wilderness experience. But did you find one more difficult uh, than the other or, you know, were they just different? They were definitely just kind of, they have, they both had different challenges uh, for sure. The, the, I think, you make way more miles on the bike for sure. So, I mean, it was easy and faster when it, when it comes to that in terms of duration or something like that. But they both mm -hmm. had challenges because the bike, you know, I got to worry about all these loose dogs I'm running into in the middle of uh, nowhere, Kentucky. And he's back roads of Tennessee and there's like a pack of dogs. I can see them like beelining at a diagonal from the front door. It's like six of them. And I'm like trying to be pedaling for my life, you know, that type of thing. So, uh, that I got sideswiped on like my third day by, uh, you got sideswiped in the truck. Yeah, man. Um, uh, I was walking my bike up the highway. Luckily my bike was in between me and the road. Um, or it probably would have been a lot worse, uh, because it just kind of hit me with the uh, mirror on the truck. Boom. But he's going like 60 something. Holy I go flying crap. off, uh, you know, um, uh, wake up like like fresh prince of bel-air he's like threw jazzy jeff out the house he's like, <laughs> yeah it's like yeah i just went flying in the air man uh he busted one of my saddlebags or whatever so i had to take that back up and it, like he stopped um he, so he's like oh he, is everything okay it's like eyes are like big as saucers uh, oh man you need to ride to town so i'm like yeah let's, you know let's go you got my bike in the truck and start going up the street like maybe two minutes later uh man like you can just see the first responders coming <laughs> flying flying he's like trying to make small talk. He's sweating like bullets. Like, he's looking all crazy. He's like, oh, yeah, how was your day? Oh, where, where you going? And I'm like, bro, like, you almost just killed me. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm like, yo, you, you almost just killed me, man. Uh, so we get to town, and, um, like, by the time we get up to the store, we stop at the store. He's like, uh, you good? I was like, man, I think I need a beer or something, you know? And I was like, I'm going here, get me a beer. He's like, no, I got you, I got you. Uh, so by the time I get out of the car, I get out of the truck just to like stand there for a while, I catch my breath. He's like, uh, like all the, all the police just fly up, you know, at this point. Like, it's like they just pull a zoom up to the store. Where's the guy that got hit? Where's the guy that got hit? And I'm like, I'm standing right here. Oh, you want to go to the hospital? I'm like, nah, it's that third. So they start giving the guy a hard time. And then he comes out with like a 16 ounce beer. And I'm like, dude. You, you couldn't have sprung for a six like you about to kill. Like, come on. 
<laughs> Come on. So uh, yeah, but the cops, you know, they, the police, they gave me a ride down to the uh, to the park. Let me um, stay in the park camp out that night. Everything really cool um, guys. Brandon Wiggins, I think, and uh, oh, I forget my other guy's name, but really, really cool guys, man. Um, so appreciate them. Yeah, that's yeah. That's really cool to hear because I wonder about the same thing. I'm like, you know, was it unusual or like were people, was it raising eyebrows again to see a person who was black who was doing a bike tour? It, it, it was like I say, man, them people like 300 times or 300, like you making their day. Like, man, I met so many people along the way. Like people would meet me and ask me what I'm doing. Like, huh, man, take this money. You know, like, all right, man, I'll take this coffee. Like, you know, you want something to eat? You know, it's like they just want to be a part of, the, the journey and it's really cool you know so like i met some guys older guys been friends like 30 40 years grew up together um older white guys from up in like northern uh pennsylvania um on lake erie they were taking a fishing trip invited mm -hmm. me over i was camping back there at the boy scouts camp uh the YMC, i think ywca ymca camp and uh they had a big cabin it's like hey man they invited me over come party with us i stayed with them the whole weekend like these are Middle-aged old white guys be kicking and having the time of my life, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was it was really just all love the whole entire way. So um, I, I love, that's the best part about the journeys to me, you know, just the, the people that I meet and be able to connect with them like that, you know what I mean? So It's the people that make it uh, you know, to an extent, you know. You got the great experience, but at the same time, you've got the people who just help to amplify it. Yeah, so, so. yeah definitely. Now, you finished that in 2018, right, you said? Yes. So then, did you continue with bike touring, um, or did you get yourself back into hiking? Oh, man, next thing was a hike. Uh, I had got invited by some guys um, who I would rather not even mention because they, they treated me pretty bad over there. I didn't, I didn't appreciate it. Uh, it's a company. Yeah. It's a gear company. Um, but I was invited to go hike with them in Scotland. Um, and a couple more guys. Uh, shout out to Darwin, um, the hiker, uh, Bigfoot. Shout out to them. So I, I was finally able to really kick it with them and, and get a little hiking in. So. Um, was invited to hike across uh, Scotland, coast to coast, the TGO Challenge, the Great Outdoors Challenge. Uh, it's like a self-designed route. Uh, nice. So they put together a route just coast to coast. You're just walking back country, like really have to make your way. You're talking knee-deep bogs and all kinds of stuff, man. Just really, like really the wild. Um, so it was, it was a hell of a journey, two weeks. Uh, and I, I think after like the fifth day, uh, I kind of split off from the group and did my own thing. And that was like, it turned the trip into another level. It was, it was amazing because once again, I went and then I just started walking through, through the towns all the way to the coast. And I was just meeting all these cool towns, people and kicking it with them and, and getting a little Scottish culture, man. And, you know, drinking <laughs> nice cool beers and having Scottish breakfast and uh, English breakfast and, and yeah, good old times. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the thing. You really got to make it your own and, and, and take your own journey. Like a lot of people got one idea of what it should be or another guy has another idea but it's, it's what you make it so that's what i go for just to experience the people and as well as the hike and all that like that's just only part of it you know yeah so you so on these trips yeah that's the point you mentioned um so you've been doing all these trips solo like um did you have a trail family or anything on the at or did you link up with anybody on the underground railroad trail uh i didn't i didn't see I saw one other biker on the Underground Railroad Trail, and he was going a different way. I tried to, like, flag him down. I think I saw some people out for the day. But other than that, I didn't see any uh, long-distance uh, folks on it. Uh, the AT, I definitely had a trail family. Met a lot of, lot oh, of good nice. folks. I had, uh, you know, my girl Pearl. Um, she just finished the PCT um, oh, nice, maybe Bob last Sarah. year. So uh, 
I had an older guy named Pat, who was my guy. He wore a kilt. He was like 65. Um, so just I had a, a big hodgepodge <laughs> group of just, you know, we was the wild bunch for sure. Um, definitely. Yeah. Nice. So then when you wrapped up in Scotland, um, did you come back to the States or did you head on down to the uh, Camino Trail at that point? I came back for around a month. Uh, I came back right before, right around this time, like maybe like a couple days. Uh, yeah, around, around June 5th or 6th, something like that. Stayed around for a month, and then I went right back out and uh, hit the Camino del Norte, Camino de Santiago, from Irún to uh, Santiago de Cabocelo, um, which took like 28 days, which was the really, truly the most amazing place I've ever been. Like they, all, I, I guess every place has their, their unique um, things that you know make them beautiful, but just that coastal, be able to walk that coast and just man watch the ocean pretty much every day and walk through these little beautifully like oh well put together stone towns and stuff and walking on roman roads and stuff like that and it's the culture of the people and everything it's like yeah it was that was that was pretty cool so if i if i understand it right is the camino like a series of trails that wind together throughout western europe and like they're all heading towards a single point in western spain yes yes correct um i want to say it's probably maybe 10 routes or something like that, maybe less or maybe more. I don't know. I know they got the Portugal route and they got the Seville way. Most people take the French way. Okay. Um, so, I, I mean, but the, the the northern route is gaining a lot of popularity, just, just the beauty of it. And they're not too far from each other. Um, so, yeah, and then they got the Primitivo. And, I mean, it's, it's a bunch of different ways. You can take a way that takes you right through Madrid. Um, so, yes, yeah, yeah, and they all just – it's like a pilgrimage route. Um, so there is, yeah, I, it's a, it's a huge religious thing. I didn't really go for the religious aspect of it, um, personally, but it's a huge religious thing. Like, I guess like Catholic. Um, so when people get there, you get to Santiago, it's people crying and man, it, yeah, it's, it's intense. Um, and it's, wow. and it's like a huge square and that's a big, beautiful building. And yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty intense for sure. So the Del Norte, just so I understand, it's the section that goes, uh, you said it was following all along the coastline. So I guess it's the northern coast of Spain. Yes, correct. Okay, cool. Wow, that that must have been freaking epic to have been seeing some of that right yeah. from the shoreline. So how tough was it? I mean, is it? are you mostly doing like walking from town to town on like a graded paved surface or is there times you're in and out of wilderness? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of times, yeah, it's a lot of times you're in and out of wilderness. Um, a lot of it is paved, but, I mean, it's, and then once again, it's a way you can kind of configure your own route. Like, you can take the high mountain route, so you can take the side way, or you can take the <clears throat> the coastal way, or you can take the long way around through these little small towns. I mean, it just depends on what you want to do. So, yeah, it was a mixture of, of both, but, I mean, I was doing, I don't know, 25, like, just almost daily, because um, it's nice. not, like, the toughest thing, but you got more light too. Um, it don't get dark out there till maybe nine, ten o'clock in that time of the year. Um, so, what was the motivation for going to the Camino as opposed to say, you know, again the PCT or the CDT? Um, continuing with long trails out uh, in the U.S. Uh, man, just just wanting to, to, to see something different. Being able to go see Scotland, I mean, you couldn't have told me five years ago I'd be hiking across Scotland. So I'm like, well, let's try to shoot for the stars there. You know, let's try to figure out a, a, another one to do, you know, something epic like, because I live in the States. It's plausible that I can always kind of make it to a PCT terminus or a CDT terminus to, to do those, you know. So I just, I think I have far greater opportunity to hit those whenever I would want to. 
I don't live in Europe. I don't have a chance to travel to Australia or New Zealand and do the Tiara or something like every, you know, you don't get that chance off it. So when I get it, you know, I, I definitely take it. Yeah, it was, it was just a, it was, a, and then I also know that it's a lot of like African Moorish in, influence in Spain because African Moors kind of like, you know, ruled over Spain for about seven, 800 years. So I wanted to go get a little taste of that too. And cause I'm a, I'm a history buff that, that took me to the underground railroad. I wanted that history. So I wanted to go delve even further back into the history now where, you know, the Moorish and African um, history. So yeah, definitely. Um, I'm always on hunt for something like that, something cool, artifacts and stuff like that. Like I, I want to find it. Like I found a black Madonna in this small town in Spain. You know what I mean? That, right. Like it, that was the coolest thing I ever saw. It was the most ornate, like sculpture, I, like it was beautiful, you know what I mean? So, and I know people haven't saw that, you know, not nobody I know. So it's, I love to share that, you know, and that's my love too, just to kind of share with people that can't go, you know, or don't, or maybe don't think they can go. Maybe they see me and they're like, oh yeah, I can do that too. And that's yeah. what I want you to think. Just put your mind to it, you know, just really actually get out and try to try it. Nice. Cause yeah, you documented all your, uh, I think all of your trips you documented um, on your YouTube channel, right? Uh, well, I'm working on Scotland footage uh, now. Uh, I wanted to keep that one positive. Like I said, I split up with the guys, so I, you know, a couple videos. I'm kind of a little irate, yeah. so <laughs> I'm, I don't, you know, I, you know. It, and then it's a year later, so I don't really care no more. I'm not mad anymore, so I'm just like, all right, let me just get the cool, cool footage up. So I'm working on that right now. But uh, just finished up my Camino series, so the Camino series is definitely all on YouTube. Um, Underground Railroad trip, pretty much, is just all out there. Uh, Underground Railroad, I got like half, half of them up. That was like such a heavy uh, emotional trip. Sometimes I don't like the. Oh my gosh! Just, yeah. When I look at the footage, I'm right back transported right in that in that spot. So sometimes it's just heavy to look at, you know. So when I'm in a cool headspace, then I try to go back and edit a few and put one up, you know, here and there. But yeah, sometimes you know them trips be kind of hard. Sometimes I mean, financially, you know, hard and tough, and you trying to figure out where you're gonna stay, and you know, like, yeah, you don't want to just like, oh man, I remember that day. You know, I, I want to remember some good days, and so I can be able to try to help inspire people to go do some more. I don't want to look at all the negative. You know, so. so with hiking the Camino, doing a long distance hike in Europe, how would you compare it to like a long distance hike in the United States? Like the camping, the ability to access towns, the trail food, the trail culture. What would you say it's like in, in Europe compared to America? Totally different. Um, Scotland, that trip, they loved it because they, they've been doing that. That was the 40th year anniversary. Um, so they, they're used to people coming through and, and doing that type of stuff. So they, they love it um, as far as like that. But it's hard to resupply. There's, there's some wild country out there, you know what I mean? So yeah, uh, yeah, that, that type of thing. I, I would say AT has probably way more supply points. But then Europe is a lot slower um, as far as just their culture. Um, Spain they take siestas every day. So, you know, it's like three or four hours. Ain't nobody going to be outside. You you know, you got the streets to yourself. It's not really a lot of stuff closes down. All the stores will be closed from that time. So kind of got to get you, get what you, what you need. And then like certain days that I think they might close early on Sundays, like really early. America never stops. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's, that's the difference. Even down, even in these smaller towns, America really never, never stops. I don't know. It's just a totally different culture. And then the Camino, you can bike it as well. So I met, you know, cyclists on it. Um, so it's, and it's, it's a cool culture as well. You know what I mean? So they are, they are unique, but I suggest any, any one of those trails to anybody. So did you have a favorite out of those big, out of those three? Um, I know the, uh, 
underground railroad trail must have been taxing emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but what which, which, if you could only do one of those three again, which would you do? Mm. Definitely Scotland. Um, just because I can pick my own route, I can I can switch it up. Uh, definitely, uh, I, w- I would love to do that. Go back and, and do it a few more times. I met a lot of people on it. That was their twentieth crossing. Um, you know, so they've been doing this twenty years, walking across Scotland. Like that's pretty cool. So I would definitely love to do that. And it's a shorter hike, um, which I'm I'm, a, I'm I love long distance. But you know, I think well, that's cool. that's the thing. Yeah. So Scotland is your quote unquote short trip and it was still two weeks. Um have you done any shorter trips or are you always doing the big ones? Yeah, I'm I'm not a super fan of the short the shortest trip I think I've done was the Art Lobe, the thirty the thirty miler and that was like three days. Uh like three yeah, like three and a half days. So um yeah I'm not I'm just not a fan of them. I like the cause you don't even hit your stride to like this you know like the seventh, eighth day. You know, you're not really in, in your your element. You know, you gotta get and, and feel the dirt. I want dirt in my fingernails. I want to be like, I want it, I want yeah. it, you know, I want that, that total feeling. Um, so I don't get that on short trails. And then plus like short trails with like day hikers be, man, I love day hikers and everything, but they take a lot of crap right on the side of the trail. And I hate to see that, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> I try to get where, where it's not going to be a lot of day usage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So then where is the next big trip? Where are you going to be heading to, um, in the future? Uh, well, currently right now I got, the last day that you can start actually on the PCT, July 31st. So I have a southbound permit for the PCT right now. Nice. I'm just waiting to see how everything goes. And I'm still holding out hope. I'm I, I, just the last day you can start. I was mad at first when I first got the permit because there wasn't like that many left. And I was like, oh man, come on. Yeah. But now it's looking like that may work in my favor. So uh, I'm just trying to remain hopeful. Um, so then here's my follow-up question. Um, I've always heard when it comes to long distance trails, you can only do, you either do one or you do three. So do you have your heart set at all on the triple crown? Uh, definitely at some point, definitely at some point. Uh, hopefully I can try to, I, I got invited to do the CDT next year. I don't know, man, but I, I've been invited to do a few things. So I don't know. Um, I just want to keep it exciting. I, I say if I can do the PCT this year, uh, my next big thing that I was looking at was actually going and, and trying something totally new. Um, I want to get a boat and drive that thing from like Miami somewhere down to the Bahamas and uh, find me a little island and, and do some spear fishing and all that. But uh, oh, I got to no. do a lot of practice because I got to get my swimming skills up to par. Uh, I never did anything like that. And that's nothing to play with. I never been spear fishing. I got to figure out how to condition to hold my breath for three minutes. I had got up to like two and a half minutes. I just, I stopped my training. Um, so if I can do that, you know, I think uh, I can make it happen. I got to take it really serious. I, I'm not taking it lightly. So anybody that has boating experience, I don't want you just like, oh, man, this guy's crazy. You know, like I'm definitely going to take the, the, the necessary steps to um, get it done. But, yeah, that's that's a that's one I would like to do. I've been watching these guys on YouTube that, that does that out in uh, Australia. It looks really cool, man. So I'm like, yeah, I want to I try that. Either that or like kayak to Mississippi or something. I don't know. Try, we try something else. Either way, something epic, you know. Yeah. And I, here's, here's the thing I actually want to get to. Like, I, I'm curious to know your opinion. Why do you think it is that there isn't a larger presence in the outdoor industry when it comes to black people and other persons of color? I think that's a... Whew, it, I mean, there's a few reasons, I would say. Um, definitely, I think we're here. 
it's, it's a lot of us here. Um, I think some mm-hmm. of these companies don't recognize that we're here. I think they're starting to now. I think they just, just happened in the past because I, I wasn't aware of the large community like Outdoor Afro. I wasn't aware of a lot of things until I got off the AT and really, really start looking and searching for them. I wasn't able to find a lot of resources as far as the black experience besides Rahawa Hill, who I'm, you know, pretty cool with now. Um, who had hiked the AT the year before me that could tell me the black experience, which is why I even started YouTubing, just to mm-hmm. give like a perspective um, of what it was on what it was like for anybody to come after me. So um, I think it's a few reasons, man. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. I don't know. The percentage wise. Yeah. It's not a lot of folks. I think it's lack of education. Why a lot of, you know, um, black and, and, People of color are not outside just as far as like knowledge of the woods because mm-hmm. it's been it's just not been taught because we've been worried about like regular everyday inner city stuff, um, like surviving and stuff like that. So you, the last thing you worried about is going out into the woods to survive and run from a bear. You're like, I ain't doing that. Um, but, you know, <laughs> and, but, you know, and then like lack of programs. We, I, when I was growing up in the 80s, we had a lot more Boy Scouts and uh, not even Boy Scouts, just just they, you know, like little club that you went for summer camps and stuff like that that you can sign up for where you went out and got in the woods and rode little motorcycles and did all kinds of stuff, you know? So I think, you know, it's a lot of, of reasons why I live financially. You're not going, if you don't know anything, you're not going to spend the money that it takes on that expensive gear to go actually get out in the woods to do something you don't know about. That's pretty, that's a tough step. Um, I would say racism. Sometimes to get to these trailheads, these beautiful places, you got to go through these back roads and sometimes, those come with stories of don't go on the back roads. Cause when my mom drops me off at some of these places, she's always terrified, even though I always seem to make it back home. Um, she's always a little wary because growing up in her time and in my time, you don't want to get caught in the back roads sometimes, you know, that's just always yeah. been the story. So um, I think it's a lot of reasons why, you know, people of color don't go in the woods, especially like you see this, like the Ma Arbery type of thing. When you see that, like that's a, or that that stick right in your head where you say, "Nah, I don't think I want to." You know, that's yeah, that's I mean, fear. That's the true thing. Outdoors, going for a run. If you have um, other black people or people of color who are considering trying out the outdoors, and it's whether it's anything from wanting to go on a day hike or a short bike ride, all the way to maybe I want to try a through hike, maybe I want to go on a bike tour. Like, how would you encourage them to do so? Um, what resources would you recommend for them? Man, I, I just say do your Googles. I mean, it's right there. On, it's right there. Um, type in Black Hike. Type in Black Hikers. Look it up. Um, I mean, because it is a community that exists. Outdoor Afro. Start there. Um, start trying to find people that that do that. I would I would say that no, because it's it's a lot of people out here that go hiking. Like um, Crowder's Mountain. I think like that's not too far from where I live in Charlotte. I mean, it's always a mixed crowd out there. Um, it's a lot of black women to be hiking nowadays. So I see them out there. I think. Maybe I don't. I don't want to say we're misrepresented. Uh, I mean, underrepresented or whatever the case may be. I don't know. Um, but I think we're out there. I think just try to get out there and start. I don't know exactly what to tell you because I just try to move through action. Yeah. If you see me doing it, then yeah. I mean, you just gotta. You just gotta get out and, and try it. You see, I didn't know anything about hiking, but I'm not gonna let anything stop me from figuring something out. I can figure anything out. I mean, like. I'm watching people do all kinds of stuff off of YouTube. You know, like YouTube is your friend. Like the internet is your friend. Use it as a as a tool and a resource. Like 
Not saying you can, you know, do brain surgery off watching the video or something like that, but you might have an idea in the emergency. <laughs> like, I don't know if the, yeah. if the apocalypse happens, you may be able to do it. I don't know. Yeah, I think about like repairs I've done around the apartment. You know, it's like, think how did people figure out how to fix anything before we had Google and YouTube? Man, I'm telling you, my best friend. Yeah, sure. for Googling and YouTube, would you? Are there any organizers? Are there any influencers that you specifically want to give a shout out to? I know you mentioned um, Outdoor Afro, um, Unlikely Hikers was one uh, I've been following. Definitely, um, definitely. I, I rock with Jenny, um, who is the. Uh, the founder of Unlikely Hiker, Jenny Brusso. Shout out to her. She invited me out to Portland. We were able to meet and do a dope photo shoot before all this madness started. Uh, early March, I think. I mean, early February, I think. Um, so, yeah, shout out to them. Uh, man, the whole the whole community. Myrna, Myrna Valerio, uh, Latoya um, Snell, um, both of those ultra runners live up north. One in New York, one in, I think, Vermont. Um, really cool. Really cool folks. Uh, Akuna. Shout out to, uh, you know, uh, you know, my whole, you know, everybody is, I, I could be here for days naming folks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to move towards wrapping up, but I always like to wrap these conversations up by asking a couple of rapid fire first answer that comes to mind questions relating to your experiences and want to hit you with some of those. So first one, what's the most you ate in one sitting during your last big adventure? Like your last big through hiker bike? Oh man. Whatever I, the the biggest meal I can find at any fast food area, the, the <laughs> biggest thing I, when I finished the Art Lobe, I got like uh the, the the combo from Zaxby's. I think I got the wings with the the hot wings and the the bone in wings and some fried mushrooms and a nice large high C. I had the biggest, you know, trashiest <laughs> meal I could I could eat at the time and and seasoned fries as well and a little ranch on the side and hot honey mustard on the side. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Favorite piece of gear you never leave home without? My cooler cloth. Uh, shout out to cooler cloth, uh, my pea cloth. It is a women's sanitary cloth, um, but I use it as a great conversation piece because I don't, I, I don't think uh, enough women uh, know about it. And I, you know, I want to spread awareness because it's a pretty cool thing to have. I found a lot of bandanas as pea cloths on trail. So, you know, I'm all about equality and, and, and awareness. So um, shout out to cooler cloth. Much love to them. Who do you miss the most when you're out hiking or biking? Uh, my mom and my dog. Uh, shout out my dog, Eddie Murphy, man. Um, Eddie my little Boston Murphy. Terrier. Uh, so I miss, I get to missing my dog. Then I get to missing my mom. And then I, yeah, I get all depressed some nights. So yeah, those two. If you could take one particular food with you on an entire through hike or bike tour, one food for the whole thing, what would it be? Summer sausage. Because uh, usually I carry a frying pan, a little small frying pan. I bust the handle off of it and uh, carry that. So summer sausage. I was the envy of the campsite at night when people would get there with their cold soaked meals and I'd be over there frying up that summer sausage. Oh man, they'd be like, oh, that smells, that smells delicious. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how's that quinoa taste now, buddy? <laughs> oh man. Second to last one. What are you most looking forward to if you're able to do it? What are you most looking forward to about your upcoming PCT through hike? What section? Ooh, the Sierras, uh, the, the part that everybody's scared of. I'm trying to hit the Sierras. I want to see what, what it's like. Uh, one of the, you know, uh, I'm ready for it. Whatever type of weather come my way. I, yeah. I, I, I love it. I love the unknown. I love the, the, the madness of it all. It, it makes the journey amazing. You know? Yeah, totally. And then last thing, I just want to say, 
Are we missing anything? Is there anything else you would like to say to everybody listening, considering everything that's going on? Uh, definitely, man. I would like to say, uh, I'm not sure of your fan base, but if it is majority, uh, white, I want to say shout out to y'all, man, because thank you. We need your help. I'm glad that we finally, um, coming together on one accord because black folk been trying to end racism for a long time. Uh, we, we're not been able to do it. So we're definitely going to need y'all help. So I would just like to say, appreciate you. Um, however you're moving in this, in, in this, this movement uh, that we got, it's not, it's not a moment. It's a movement. Um, I just want to say, keep pushing forward, keep your foot on the gas. Um, moving love and light and, and we're gonna get some change right here shortly um yeah man it's, it's so good to hear daniel man i can't express how grateful i am that you took some time to sit down with me and be able to share what you've seen and done oh no man thanks so much for having me thank you yeah, so no, much no problem take care daniel let's catch up again soon all right all right peace hats off to the black Alachian. we really appreciate you coming onto the show to talk with us about your experiences that was just an introduction of what Daniel White's all about. You can learn more about the Black Alachian's journey on his YouTube and Instagram channels. Follow the links in our show notes, which can be found by going to blog.gaiagps.com and looking for the podcast link in the upper right, or by searching for the Black Alachian and his pages will come right up. In our next episode, we're switching gears and talking to Kevin and Sarah McHouston, the hosts of the YouTube channel Lifestyle Overland. The McHoustons gave up life in the suburbs and traded it for a full-time residence on the back roads of America. And so they're going to tell us about their transition to becoming full-time overlanders and what it's like living on these back roads with their young daughter, Caroline. Also remember, it's never too late to go back and listen to our previous episodes with hikers Heather Anderson, The Real Hiking Viking, and Andrew Skirka. And finally, if you like the show, please make sure to leave us a review and share it with your friends. We would really appreciate it because it helps keep us going. Until next time, I'm Shanti, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Out and Back podcast presented by Gaia GPS. Take care, everyone.